Buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Time now for Rocky Jordan. Brought to you today by Del Monte Tomato Products. Not far from the Mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against the backdrop of antiquity. Del Monte presents Rocky Jordan and this week's story, A Stranger to the Desert. It was like any closing time at the tambourine. The last of the stragglers at the bar had been sent on their way. All my help had cleared up and left. I had just locked the front door and cut the light when my eye caught this figure out through the big front window. He was walking under the dim street light across the intersection with unsteady steps like one filled with arrack. I wouldn't have looked twice except for the way he kept coming, directly toward the tambourine, closer and closer. And without swerving a step, he walked straight through the plate glass window. He fell face down on the window shelf and didn't move. But I did. I was about to drag the man to his feet, but then I knew better. He wasn't drunk at all. He was dead, with a knife between his shoulder blades. Right away, I put in a call for Sam Sabaya, the Cairo police. And before I'd hung up the phone, a crowd had begun to gather. It always happens, they materialize out of nowhere. And in less than ten minutes, Sam appeared on the scene and took over. Let me through, please. Let me through. Greco, disperse the crowd. At once, Captain Sabaya. Move back. Pick up. Over here. Jordan. Jordan. Who is this man? Never saw him before, Sam. He just happened to pick my window. Help me turn him over. Sure. Carefully. I trust, Jordan, that you did not become overly curious. Didn't touch him, Sam. He's all yours. His pockets are empty. There seems to be no identification. Somebody made sure of that. Even to tearing the labels off his suit. Yes, I see. Look at him, Sam. What do you make of it? There's much to be learned, Jordan. The rough hands of a laborer, the weather-beaten skin. I'm noticing something else. His face. Somehow it's different. Yes, he's not a man of the East, that much we know. The oval shape, high cheekbones, sharp nose. Never seen any type like it. As you say, Jordan, even in Cairo, where nationalities come from all over the world, this man is most unusual. The only thing that makes sense is a knife in his back. Yes. Well, for the moment, this strange man remains one of Cairo's unknown dead. That's all there is? Certainly not, Jordan. A routine check with the Canadian consul today informed me that a Dr. Willoughby, a noted anthropologist, arrived two weeks ago for study at the Cairo University. Oh, he could help. I shall have the body removed to the morgue and call in Dr. Willoughby for consultation. You mind if I join you? On the contrary, Jordan. Come along. We went to police headquarters. In about an hour, a white-thatched, energetic little man arrived and introduced himself as Dr. Willoughby. He eyed us sharply as Sam took us down into the morgue. Then we stood looking at the lifeless man. Observe now, Dr. Willoughby. Uh, Yes, now we shall see, now we shall see. You will doubtless realize why we were puzzled by this man. In a moment, please. Mm. Well, proportioned, short. But the face, Doctor. Yes, yes, broad, oval, prominent cheekbones. 
long, narrow nose. Most incredible, most incredible. Uh, then you can tell us. And there, as I thought, traces of the epicanthic fold. Mind explaining that? The Mongolian fold on the eyelids. I cannot get over it, gentlemen. Indeed, Dr. Willoughby. And uh, what manner of man is this? Surely a stranger to the desert, Captain Sabaya. Well, let's have it. What is he? What is he, Mr. Jordan? This man is an Eskimo. Eskimo? In Eskimo, did you say? Mr. Jordan, indeed I did. A test, if you please, the uh, coarse black hair, the light brown of the body, and the copper color of the cheeks. Nevertheless, Doctor... This man is truly an Eskimo. What would an Eskimo be doing in Cairo? Aha, Mr. Jordan. That is a question I must ask of you. No, we could have asked questions like that for the rest of the night without any answers. Instead, I went back to the tambourine. But this business of an Eskimo in Egypt had me wondering, especially when he falls through my window with a knife in his back. Well, I had to make some arrangements to get my front window boarded up, and after that, I get some sleep. The next morning, I just opened up and was waiting for the help to show, and in walked two more strange people. About five steps behind the first walked a big-robed Yemenite. And in the lead, hair stacked high in her head above slanting eyes and a sleek figure and jeweled platform shoes was a woman. Her heavy perfume came in way ahead of her. She was very delicate and small, and in her hand was a very delicate and small gun. Where is it, Mr. Jordan? Where's what, lady? Give a civil reply, America. Silence, Jabu. I speak of the money, Mr. Jordan. Oh, sure, the, the money. I think you know what I'm talking about. Where is it? Any special amount? All of it. Ten thousand pounds. Forty thousand dollars to you in... Enough, Chabu. I am speaking. Your command, my lady. Quickly now, Mr. Jordan. Look, uh, supposing we put away the artillery, huh? I'll sit down, have a nice cool drink. You still pretend not to know what I'm talking about? It happens, I don't. We shall find out. Jabu, step around me. Search him thoroughly. With the greatest of pleasure. You've got big hands, Jabu, but keep them off of me. I can use them well, Jordan. Only search him, Jabu. He's covered with my gun. Mm. There is only the pound note in his wallet, my lady. Try the cash register. They never had visitors. After 13 years in the same neighborhood, she apparently had no close friends. Two of her neighbors had noticed that in the past year, Martha Borg would leave her house three or four times a week at 11 a.m. Always at 11 a.m. She invariably got back before her husband did. The neighbor said she usually brought some shopping home with her. They did go out frequently in the evenings. However, there were no reports of family trouble between Martha and Henry Borg. Thursday, 6.20 p.m., we talked to Adolph Wernicke, whose grocery store was on the corner a half a block from the Borg home. They'd been trading with him ever since they moved to the neighborhood. I don't know what to tell you about Mr. Borg, officer. He always seemed like a nice fellow to me. Didn't say much, but nice. Sure is funny him disappearing like that. You got any idea if he had any trouble with his wife? No, that wife, she's a funny one. Different from Mr. Borg is day and night. Well, how's that, sir? Mm, I don't know. High hat, sort of. She's all right, I guess. Kind of show-off, though. Kind of person who dresses up when she goes shopping around the corner. Likes to buy fancy groceries, stuff I never get calls for. Like those anchovies up there on the shelf. Now, I'll bet you I won't sell two cans of them in a year, but Mrs. Borg comes in and she'll buy them. Now, Mr. Borg, he don't like that kind of stuff at all. Told me so himself. Yes, sir, but how'd they get along? Do you ever say anything about his wife? I'm telling you the truth, officer, I don't know. As far as a man and his wife arguing, I don't pry. Hurts business. Come to think of it, he did say one thing. That was a long time ago, about two, three months ago, maybe more. What was that? What did he say? Well, he came in here, just about like this time it was. Didn't buy anything, just kind of hung around. 
Remember, he seemed out of sorts. I asked him if he was feeling all right. Said he was. Just felt like he had to get away from the house. Now, that'll happen to a man. Just feel like you got to get away for a while. You know what I mean, officer. No, sir, I'm not married. Thursday, 7.50 p.m. Borg's description and the circumstances of his disappearance have been broadcast to all units. Still no word. 4.10 p.m. Friday, June 19th. We checked Borg's union. He hadn't reported for a new job. We filed an all-points bulletin. 8.05 p.m. I checked back into the office. Mrs. Borg was waiting. Sergeant Friday, I'd like to know just what's going on around here. My husband has been missing almost a week, and I don't see why something hasn't been done about it. If you can't find my husband, then why don't they put more men on this case? This is a... Tomato juice is natural tasting. Del Monte tomato juice is refreshing. Fresh tasting, natural tasting, and refreshing. Yes, that's a perfect description of Del Monte tomato juice. That fresh, sunny flavor, that sparkling, natural taste which comes from the very best field-ripened tomatoes all adds up to real, deep-down, satisfying refreshment. Keep several cans of Del Monte tomato juice in the refrigerator. You'll find they come in mighty handy. And now we take you back to Cairo. And tonight's Rocky Jordan story, A Stranger to the Desert. It all began when an Eskimo, yes, I said an Eskimo, fell through my front tambourine window with an knife in his back. And it figured the recent visit from the perfume doll and her boy Jabu connected up. That was a problem Sam Sabaya could have, so right away I put in a call for him at headquarters. Cairo Police, Greco speaking. Hello, Greco. This is for Sam. Put him on. And who is this speaking? Jordan, you know me. Where's Sam, Greco? Mr. Jordan, it happens that where is he? I want to talk to him. Captain Sabaya is at the present uh, attending an important meeting in Alexandria with the Minister of Internal Security. I am personally taking over his cases. Well, then you can tell me if there's anything new on the killing of the stranger. Please, be specific. The Eskimo, Greco. There seems to be nothing new. Is that all now? And then I got something to report. I get this, Greco. Be brief, Mr. Jordan. Can you not see... Listen. Very well. A couple of people just came into the tambourine, roughed me up looking for $40,000 they think I have. I don't know what it's all about, but I think it fits with the Eskimo killing. Duly noted. Now, here's a description. One was a girl. Small, Eurasian, loaded with lots of perfume and a pearl-handled revolver. I didn't get her name, but the man... Are you listening? Mr. Jordan, must I again remind you that my time is limited? His name was Jabu. Duly noted, duly noted. You gonna do something about it, Gregor? If that completes your report... Oh, one more thing. They said they'd be back. Duly noted, Mr. Jordan. Ah. Well, with people punching at me, I couldn't wait around, but Greco or anybody. For a lot of reasons now, I had to know how and why a lonely Eskimo came to Cairo. A man that unusual shouldn't be too hard to trace, so I rung up a few hotels, but got no help. Then I hired a taxi and began making the rounds in person. I tried my friend Archie at Shepherd's. Eskimo? Oh, I say, Rocky. You Americans have such a quaint sense of humor. Eskimo, indeed. <laughs> Next, I taxied on down the Sharia Suleiman Pasha and stopped at the Villa Victoria. A buxom lady held sway behind the desk. My good man, there are no Eskimos here, but you will find the bar on the lower floor. Good day. After that, I took a chance at the Acropolis Hotel. The 
desk clerk was very uncooperative. No, mister, we don't have Eskimos. And that goes for seals, polar bears, and walruses. Now get out with your bum jokes before I call the cops. I went on trying a few of the smaller hotels. Maybe I was getting tired, but so was somebody else I noticed following me. It was a third-rate tailing job, so I let him through the Mooski Bazaar. And at the right spot, ducked around a corner. As he came by, I grabbed him and yanked him into an alley. Let me go at once, monsieur. What's it about, mister? I was only walking this way. Too close behind. Now, what do you want? Who are you? André Jandot. It means nothing to you. Now, let me decide. Why are you following me? I told you, I was only... I can keep trying. I do not wish to fight with you, monsieur Jordan. So you know the name, too. Okay, from the beginning. What's your business? Yeah. I am a pilot, new to Cairo. I landed my cargo plane at the airport here last evening. Now, monsieur, I must... Have... Not yet, Andre. Where are you from? Shoal Abar, Newfoundland. Yeah. Who else was aboard the plane? An Eskimo, maybe? That is right. He come here with me. Uh, let's hear all about him. Well, I, I do not know his true name. Everyone called him Johnny Silkskin. He was well-known in Newfoundland as a whaler. Why did he come to Cairo? Uh, he hired my plane to transport a cargo for a delivery here. He came as a representative of a community of his people. Cargo what? Monsieur, I do not know. Who killed him, Andre? Why? I also wish to know. He left the plane at the airport last evening saying that he would come into Cairo to pick up his money. Uh, when did you see him again? Never. He was to return and we would immediately take off for Newfoundland. I waited there for him all night and this morning I read in the paper of his death at your cafe, Monsieur Jordan. And you thought telling me he'd get some answers? Monsieur, Cairo is a strange town. I could not be sure. Yeah, about I... that cargo, you still say you didn't know what it was? All he said was that his people had been fleeced before. Besides, he was paying good money, so why should I ask? Sure. Any idea about it? Well, uh, I'll confess that while he was sleeping, I opened one of his cases. What the stuff inside looked like? Uh, it was solid, rather fatty, streaked with black like marble, you might say. I recall a sweet, earthy odor. How much of the stuff was it? It weighed in at 2,000 pounds. Okay. Where's the stuff now? I do not know, monsieur. After I make my report at the airport office, I went back to the plane. A truck came and took the cases away. I do not know where. Look, uh, you know my address. Where do I find you? I'm at the caliph house, monsieur. Now take my advice and go back there, Andre. Then uh, you suspect there is danger? Why not? They kill once, they can kill again. I had something about the Eskimo now, but still no idea why he was killed. I had a hunch what the cargo was, but just to make sure, I decided to see Dr. Willoughby again. I talked with a consul and learned the doctor was living out near the university. When I got there, his room was stacked with all sorts of books. He seemed real glad to see me. Ah, oh, Mr. Jordan, come in, come in. Uh, sorry to bother you again, oh, Dr. Willoughby. Not but... at all. I presume your call is about the stranger who lies in the morgue. Yes, I have a few questions. As you see, I've been doing a little reading on the subject. Most unusual. Unusual. Yeah, well, uh, this is something yeah, else. Have a moment, Mr. Jordan, to set your mind at rest. Mm -hmm. A moment. Mm -hmm. Ah, here we are on the subject of the epicanthic fold. Absolute proof. It's okay if you want to. Look, we're going to be around here another hour. We haven't got much to do. Our work's all cleaned up. We're just about ready to go home. Why don't you stick around and talk to us, huh? We'd kind of like to hear what happened. Yeah. Just might help you clear things up in your mind if you talked about it. Oh, it's crazy. I know it's crazy, but I guess I do want to tell somebody about it. How about a cigarette? Will that help? Yeah. May I give you a match? I am a man 50 years old. I work hard. 
I learned my trade as a boy of 16. I've been at it ever since. My wife and me, we got a new car. We got our own home, almost paid for. A man my age, when he gets home nights, he wants to take it easy. Read the paper, watch the television. Bought a $400 TV, 21-inch screen. Yeah. You want to know what happens when I get home? She wants to go out. Don't make any difference how tired I am. It don't make any difference if I've been working hard all day. She wants to go out. Do you know what that's like? Well, it doesn't sound like the reason a man would leave home, boy. I don't mind it once in a while if it was just once in a while, but she's after me every minute I'm home. Here for the last few years, it's been every night. I don't know what's come over her. She didn't used to be like that. Martha used to be a sensible woman. Now she acts silly like a young girl. She's different. Goes in for fancy clothes, all kinds of fancy food, even anchovies. And I don't like anchovies. Last month, I swear, she even made me take her down to the Ambassador Hotel. Imagine me at the Ambassador Hotel. All I ever hear from her is we've just got a few years left to have our fling. I don't want any fling. I'm a plasterer that's... I don't tend to do anything about a murder. A man knifed in the streets of Cairo. And why should I, Mr. Jordan? He's only an Eskimo, a stranger. Sure, only a stranger with no relatives or friends to press for him. No consul to concern itself with his behalf. Guard your words, Mr. Jordan. What's the matter with you, Greco? Does it always take public opinion? Danger of a few votes cast the wrong way? Maybe solving a poor Eskimo killing doesn't carry a promotion. Enough, Mr. Jordan. You will go now, or I shall call the guards. Don't bother yourself, Greco, about anything. I'll handle it myself. It looked like it was all up to me. When I got back to the tambourine, there'd been a call from Andre, the pilot, wanting to see me right away. So I hurried to the caliph house. His room was on the third floor rear, and I went up. I found it, but I didn't have to knock. The door was already open took two steps in and stopped and stood looking down at the lifeless figure of Andre Jando. My eyes didn't tell me anything, but my nose did. It was the heavy aroma of strong perfume, like I'd smelled before that day. My hand was on the knob of the open door, and suddenly I slammed it back to the wall. Are you pinned, lady? Toss out the gun. The gun first. Make it quick. That's better. Now come on out. Very rude, Mr. Jordan. Just like your muscle man. Why didn't you send Jabu to do this? Please let me explain. All right. Tell me about Andre. I did not kill this man. Sure you didn't. It is true. When I got here, he was dead. Before I could leave, I heard you coming and hid behind the door. That's an old story. I've heard it before. I tell you, I did not shoot him. My gun was not fired. Look for yourself. Yeah. You believe me now? Maybe. Just who are you, lady? My name is Zora Harad. I own a perfume company in Calcutta. Not much checks. What are you after, Zora? The money that is mine. Well, let's have the rest. The Eskimo wrote me from Newfoundland that he was bringing a ton of ambergris to Cairo for sale. He arrived last... It's almost like hearing somebody tell about me, remember, Joe? Yeah. You had something like this? had it. With me, it was canasta, though. I hate cards. A waste of time. Yeah, I sure thought it was the end for me and Faye. 
Remember, Joe? But it wasn't? No, for a while, Eric sure looked like I was going to lose my happy home. Guess I would have, too, but I talked turkey to her. You know what I mean, Borg? No. What do you mean? Talk turkey to him. Make him understand. You let a woman push you around, Borg, you're dead. Well, Miss Martha... Look, they're all the same. I sat her right down on the sofa, and I said, Now, look, Faye, and I told her what the score was. She took it, too. It's the only way to do. You try what I say, Borg, you'll see I'm right. I can just see, Martha, if I ever tried to put my foot down. That's what I thought. I was all set to give it up, move in with Joe here, right, Joe? Yeah. Then I figured I might as well at least get a load off my chest. Once I got started, I lost my temper. You know, it's a funny thing. Faye's always thought more of me since then. You ask her. She'll tell you so herself. Says she respects a man who'll stand up for his own rights. Right, Joe? Yeah. I don't know. With me, I, I don't think it would work. Sure it can. Borg, you listen to me. You tell her you're a working man. Tell her when you get through work, you want to take it easy and nobody's going to run you. Set her straight, Borg. Get tough if you have to. She won't give you any trouble after that. I just don't know. Martha... Did... Won't do any harm to try it. I'd like to see Martha's face just once if I even told her to shut up. I wouldn't want her to have anything handy to throw. Borg, look, it's 12.10. We've got to be getting home now. You take my advice. You go home, too. Have a talk with her. See if you can't work it out. No. No, Sergeant. Thanks a lot, but I can't go home. Well, like I told you, it's none of our business, but I think you ought to try it. Well, here. Well, look, you're going to need car fare. Here's a dollar. You take this and go on home. That'll get you there. Well, okay. You'll get this back, Sergeant. I'll pay it back to you. I, I guess maybe you're right. Can't hurt anything to try it. Oh, your stuff. Thank you a lot. I didn't mean to put you fellas out this way. Good luck to you, Borg. You'll see. It'll work. Step back, way. I don't want to be seen with you. Yes. Yes, I will go. How's the deal, Willoughby? Who is that? Who are you? You know me, Dr. Willoughby. Uh, Joe, how did you get here? That all that bothers you? Don't come any closer. Yeah? Why so nervous? You hold the gun. Stay by the wall. Keep your hands up. Now, what do you want? $45,000. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So I have to spell it out, eh? You're from Canada by way of Newfoundland, right? You do not frighten me. Why do you keep stepping back? Yeah, I got it from the Canadian consul. So you knew of the Ambergris shipment, came ahead into Cairo posing as a big professor. Did I, Tom? You took the stuff from the plane while the pilot was checking in, replacing it with empty cases. It's easy to get helpers around Cairo. I can see you know too much. You could have just delivered the stuff here and gotten by, only that wasn't enough. You had to kill Johnny Sealskin for his money and the pilot, too, when he got out of you somehow. Very well, Jordan. But your lips will be sealed forever. His trembling hand came up with a gun. My raised hand had a bottle off a shelf, and I threw it. My throw deflected his shot, but he held the gun still backing up. He was about to aim again when his heel caught a perfume vat's edge, and he fell back. I got over to make sure he dropped the gun. As I bent over, his flailing hands grabbed my wrist, and all at once I was in on top of him. Then we were splashing around in a vat full of desert madness. I stayed on top and held his head under just long enough. And I dragged him out of the perfume stuff and dumped him on the floor. That's when I knew Dr. Willoughby and I would never be the same again. In just a moment, Rocky Jordan returns to conclude tonight's story. You know... 
Some folks insist on doing things the hard way, but not Mrs. Collins. She has the perfect answer when it comes to hot weather meals. But let's hear her tell about it. Why, it's very simple. I just prepare light meals, sometimes just cold cuts or... Like Chesterfield is best for you. Believe me, they're much milder with a wonderful taste. America's best cigarette buy, Chesterfield. Since the subject, Henry George Borg, had committed no crime, he was not held and the case was officially marked closed. just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Vic Perrin, Irene Tedrow. Script by Paul Coates. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. For a million laughs, tune in Chesterfield's Martin and Lewis show Tuesday on this same NBC station. And sound off for Chesterfield's, either regular or king size. You'll find premium quality Chesterfield's much milder. Chesterfield is best for you. By special request, Dragnet is being sent to our servicemen and women all over the world. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet, transcribed from Los Angeles. Have you tried new cork-tipped Fatima? It's the smooth smoke. Here's why. New Fatima tips of perfect cork. King size for longer filtering. And Fatima quality for a much better flavor and aroma. Remember, Fatima has the tip for your lips. Try new Fatima. See how smooth it is. Fatima is made by the makers of Chesterfield, Liggett and Myers, one of tobacco's most respected names. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Ansel Garrett, Johnny. I was out when you phoned a minute ago. Ansel, get over here fast. What's the matter? I'm trapped in the office of Jensen's Boathouse. Trapped? Look, I've got no time to explain. There's a man outside with a gun, and I can't hold him off much longer. Who is it? I don't know, but I've got a strong hunch it's the one who murdered Russell. And he's trying to do likewise to me. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Amalgamated Life Associates, Home Office, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Crystal Lake matter. Expense account continued. Item seven, two cents. Just about what I figured my life was worth at the moment. The tiny office I was in had no windows and no outside door. A real trap. 
And outside in the darkened boathouse, somebody with a gun was stalking me. Probably the killer I've been looking for. But now he was looking for me. I stacked what furniture there was against the door. He started throwing his weight against it. And it couldn't last very long. There was nothing I could do but wait. Right then, the sound of Ants Garrett's voice outside was just about the sweetest music this side of heaven. Drop the gun! Drop it! You okay, Johnny? Yeah, yeah, just a minute. I'll get this stuff away from the door. Okay. Light switch here somewhere. There. Well, Bill Jensen. So you're my boy, Jensen. What are you talking about? What are you doing here anyway, Dollar? Getting shot at by you, mostly. Look, this is my boathouse, remember? You got no business to come prowling around here. Now simmer down, Bill. Simmer down. I thought he was a prowler, Ansel. Oh, yeah, sure. You knew I was getting close to you, Jensen. You decided to put me out of the ball game, and you came pretty close, believe me. I tell you, I don't know what you're talking about. I figured it was somebody after my boat again. Expect me to buy a hold story now, like that. Just hold it a second, both of you. If I can get a word in edgewise around here, maybe we can straighten things out. They're pretty straight right now, as far as I can see. Maybe. Bill, you claim you figured Johnny was a prowler trying to steal something, huh? How would you figure it, Ants? I see somebody sneaking into the boathouse and catch a glimpse of somebody else hanging around Wait a outside. minute, wait a minute. Somebody else who? Man or woman? I couldn't tell. Whoever it was got out of sight mighty fast. Oh, sure. Pretty convenient story, Jensen. Somebody around here has been keeping an eye on me right from the start. But right now, it figures to be you. Look, Dollar, I'm... Hold it, Bill! A couple of Jensen's boats have turned up missing lately, Johnny. It's natural he might think that Yeah, you... and something else has turned up missing here, too, Ants. What do you mean? That's why I came here to the boathouse tonight in the first place. When I was here this afternoon, I noticed that the padlocks on his boats were missing. One of them was missing... They looked an awful lot like the one that Russell's killer put on the cabin door when he planted the body there. A lock's a lock, Johnny. Yeah, but one of Jensen's is missing. Don't forget that. Oh? Here, come here. Take a look. Right there. Yeah. So it is. How about it, Jensen? I didn't even know it was gone. How do I know what happened to it? Somebody stole it. Probably the same guy who stole those boats last month. Look, look, if you're trying to involve me in Russell's murder, you're wasting your time. I didn't even know the guy, and you got nothing to tie me into it. No? Then you better listen to a few facts, Jensen. Edward Russell took off from his home in Denver and came up here to Crystal Lake looking for a guy named Bill, which just happens to be your name. Half a dozen other Bills in town, too, Dollar. Now, what does that prove? Russell's body was found in Bixby's vacant cabin when Bixby brought a prospect up to show him the place. Bixby's lock had been taken off the door and a new one put on. Your padlock, Jensen. I already told you somebody must have stolen it from Then me. I come around to your boathouse here to check on the locks and you start throwing shots at me. You figure it out. You haven't got a case against me and you know it, Dollar. Just the same, Jensen. You better come down to my office with us. I got a few more questions I want to ask you. And I'd like to check your gun against the slug that killed Russell. Go ahead. Check it. Sure, I'll come down with you, Ants. I want to get this straightened out, too. But let me tell you something, Dollar. Next time you come around my boathouse without a search warrant, I won't miss. We questioned Jensen for an hour, but he didn't change his story. He kept denying any connection with the murdered man, Edward Russell, or his wife, Leona. Afterward, Anson and I went into his office. I think we got enough to hold him on, Johnny. Yeah. Well, for one thing, his gun's a different caliber than the one that killed Russell. Oh, sure, he could have used a different gun, but 
We'd have to find it to prove anything. What about the padlock? Uh, That's a point, all right, but it's our only point. Somebody could have stolen it, like Jensen said. A frame? Could be. (laughs) Jensen sure sticks to his story. Yeah. I threw everything I could think of at him, but he didn't crack an inch. Well, after all, Johnny, you were out of line going into his boathouse like that. So I should have had a search warrant. There wasn't time. You know, you got quite a knack for stirring up trouble. If you're wrong about Jensen and the other suspects, you're going to owe a few apologies. Apologies I don't mind handing out. But Russell's killer I want. You think I don't? (laughs) Deputy Sheriff Garrett speaking. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, put it through. It's Mrs. Putnam in Denver, Johnny, wife of the man who wanted to buy Bixby's cabin. Yeah. I put a call into her earlier, hope... Hello? Oh, yeah, Mrs. Putnam, this is Deputy Sheriff Garrett up at Crystal Lake. The reason I'm calling, your husband tells us you and he had been interested in buying a cabin up here for some time. I thought I'd check with you. What's that? You sure about that? I see. Thanks very much, Mrs. Putnam. Well... I guess your hunches are still clicking, Johnny. She didn't know anything about it, huh? Not a thing. Didn't even know her husband was up here. Now, look, gentlemen, I've already told you all about it. I saw Bixby's ad in the paper about his cabin here being for sale. It it sounded like just a thing that... That That you and your wife had in mind, Mr. Putnam? Yes, yes, exactly. So I... You can hold it right there, Putnam. You lied to us. I most certainly did not. Your wife doesn't seem to know anything about it. My wife? T. Jordan, written by Larry Roman and Gomer Cool, stars Jack Moyles in the title role with Jay Novello as Sam Sabaya, and is produced and directed by Cliff Howell with original music composed and conducted by Richard Arant. Remember, you have a date next week at the Cafe Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. Same time, same station. And the story is Adventure with Andrea. For the best peaches and cream you ever ate, buy Del Monte peaches, sliced or halved. Yes, whenever you want ripe, mellow, truly delicious peaches, look for the brand that puts flavor first, Del Monte. Larry Thor speaking. Rocky Jordan is presented over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. (laughs) 